I want you to go ahead and turn to the book of Luke chapter 16. My father-in-law led me to Christ when I was 18 years old. My mother and dad did not know the Lord, but my father-in-law did. And in 76 years, only one person has ever witnessed to me, and it was him. And I thought, over the years, what if he had missed me? What if he did not have that courage to talk to me about my soul? As we live our lives, we need to realize the importance of our life. Why do we live? Keeping things in proper perspective. We come to church because we want to leave feeling good and having a wonderful, happy time, fellowship. And it's wonderful to hear about the, the love of God. You will never find a greater proof of the love of God than understanding what he came to save us from. There's a lot of reasons why we can live our lives. A lot of projects, a lot of causes. But in all these years, I've never found anything worth living for that supersedes the one that I have before you. Is hell real? Is it real? So there's a couple of questions that I have done here. What do you believe about hell? It really doesn't matter what you think. What does the world think about hell? Doesn't matter either. What does God believe about hell? That matters. That really matters. And if it matters to God, then it should matter to us. We should believe what God believes. And God knows what truth is. It's easy for us not to want to talk about the most Destructive thing in all the world. The saddest story in all the world is found in the book of Luke, chapter 16. It's a story, but it's a true story, and it's a story about what Jesus says happens to an individual when they die. So you look there in verse 19. I just want to read it to you. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, Fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he says, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would have sent him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they 
also come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he says, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. What a sad story. I think it's one of the saddest stories in all the Bible. Yet it was told by Jesus Christ himself. I want you to look at some of the reasoning uh, that I've put down here in notes. And I want you to think about it seriously. Because, see, if hell is not real, what are we doing here? Why do we have a Bible? What are we counting on God doing for us? You see, if, if this isn't real, then the Bible isn't real. If this isn't true, the Bible isn't true. The Bible spoke more on hell than he spoke on heaven. So if that's not real, then how do you know anything? And we are of all men most miserable. In the end, first paragraph, the scriptures will be proven correct. And every philosophy and opinion of man won't matter. If you are going there, this is your wake-up call. If you are saved, this is a reminder that billions are held bound as we speak. Do you believe the Bible? Then you have to believe what I just wrote. Because this is true. If there's a hell, though, this is true. Look at the next statement. Many in our day have no confidence in the truth of the Word of God. Perhaps no other teaching has received more doubt than the doctrine of hell. Because, see, that just makes people feel really bad to even think about hell. Some people don't even want to talk about dying. To die. They don't want to talk about that. And yet... It's 100% guaranteed you're going to die if God should tarry. The next statement. Appealing to rationality and reason. The concept of an eternal hell where sinners burn forever is ludicrous and demeaning. Some people just can't believe that. But let's look at it. I was teaching in our cult evangelism class about different religions and what they believe about hell. And that's why we call it a cult. They believe in an extra biblical source of authority, truth outside the Bible that contradicts the Bible. And sometimes because they had a vision, they wrote a book, but it contradicts the Bible. So it's an extra biblical source of authority makes it a cult. Then you want to find out, well, what do they believe about the Bible? What do they believe about Jesus Christ? What do they believe about salvation? What do they believe about hell? And you'd be surprised, there's a lot of religions. And it's hard for some people to understand, well, how do you know the truth? Remember this. All religions add works to salvation. Whatever it is, and wherever you're supposed to go, depends upon you earning it. True Christianity is that it's free. It's by grace and grace alone. 
Big difference. Look at the next statement. Here's one of the reasons, or several of the reasons, that some people do not believe in a literal hell. Because they say it's wholly unscriptural. It's not taught in the Bible. But the proof is, it is in the Bible. And it is taught in the Bible. Now today we're not going to dwell too much on all the scriptures that prove that point. But that the Bible does teach. So to say it's unscriptural is not true. You see, that's what the Christian science teaches. You know, Christian science is like grape nuts flakes. It's not grape and it ain't nuts. And Christian science isn't Christian and it's not science. And it really appeals to older people who have a problem because of sin and they know they've done it. And they want deliverance from it. They know that the death is getting close and they don't want to think about death. Because to die means a hell. Or a heaven. And they're not sure how to get there. So you see, they believe that um, God is all and all is God. They believe in pantheism. You see, they believe that God is love and God is all. And that God created the heavens and the earth, but the earth and the heavens is God. God is separate from His creation. His creation is not God. See, the Bible contradicts religions. And there's many of them, and they're man-made. And they believe that if uh, God is all, and God is love, there can be no hate. And if God is God, and God is all, and God is love... Uh, there's no hate, and uh, if God is good, there's no evil. And since they deny that there's evil, there is no sin. And if there is no sin, there is no death. And if there's no death, there is no hell. So see, you can feel better just because you can deny that it's true. Don't you feel better? Just deny it all. And so Christian science does a lot of this. And there's people in various forms that believe a lot of crazy things. But what if hell is real? Jesus says it's real. That's why we needed a Savior. See, if it's not real, what do we need a Savior? To go to a cross, down the cross, pay for the sins of the world, to keep us from going to a place that doesn't exist. They say it's unreasonable. God says in His Word... That God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You cannot and do not think like God. You don't know what God knows. To say it's unreasonable. You mean because you can't reason it out because it doesn't make sense to you as an individual. But there is a difference between a human perspective and a divine perspective. You can see things through God's eyes as what He's revealed, or through man's eyes, and God is unreasonable. I don't see how God created the heavens and the earth. You don't have to see how God did it. Does that mean He didn't do it because it doesn't make sense to you or to I? There can't be a hell because that sounds unreasonable. Says who? You or God? The next thing here, number three, is it's contrary to God's love. 
Well, if God really loves you and really loves me, why would he allow you and I to go to a literal fire-burning hell? That doesn't make any sense. So because we don't understand that God not only is love, God is also holy. And because God is holy and we are not holy, we've sinned and God cannot tolerate sin in his presence. If you understood what God says, that'd be great. But some people don't want to know what God says. Their minds are already made up. If they don't want to believe something because they want to live according to some particular lust of the flesh, then you develop a theology to justify whatever the error is that you want to commit. It's repugnant to justice. Repugnant to justice. How can that be fair? How can a person spend an eternity in hell? That's not fair. Do you know all the facts in every case concerning every individual? God does. No man goes to hell unless it's just. God is perfect and God is righteous and he makes no mistakes. And because there is such a place as a literal fire burning hell, there is a God in heaven that made a way of escape. And that's love. That's love. And many people reject the love of God. Look at the next statement. Still others believe that man is capable of redeeming himself, and therefore every man is working out his own heaven, and there will be hell for no one. You see, there's some people who believe that um, you just learn how to save yourself. You just do the best you can, work hard, go to church, pay your bills, and do all the good that you can, and you'll go to heaven someday. And yet there's people that believe that uh, there is no hell. They want to believe in heaven because that's a wonderful place. But they don't want to believe in a hell. And yet they get the information about heaven and hell from the same source. The one that wrote about heaven wrote about hell. You can't pick and choose. It's not a smorgasbord. It's not a cafeteria. You're not going through a line picking out what you like and throwing away what you don't like. The whole thing is true. The Word of God. Look at the next statement. The cultists, without exception, have all concocted a plan whereby they and their followers can escape eternal damnation and live joyfully in a better world. The Christian science, Jehovah's Witnesses, and others teach there is no hell. So if you teach that there is no hell, there's no problem. One day I was in Colorado. I was um, running for the State Board of Education, candidate at large. And um, I had an opportunity to go and speak to the uh, Republican uh, convention, about 3,000 people there, maybe a few more. But. And so um, the guy that was running for governor came over to my house, or I, I should say at the church, and he wanted to talk to me. And he wanted to know if I would back him because of we had a school, the college, and we had a, a lot of families, and so I had radio and all that. And so he wanted me to back him running for governor. We went out and sat down at a restaurant and talked, and one of the things he said was, I despise these preachers that talk about this rapture. <laughs> he says, they're the problem in America because their people don't believe in preserving our country and fighting for our country and doing something about our country because they're all waiting for Jesus to take them out of here. And I looked at him and I said, I believe in the rapture. <laughs> then I found out he was a 
Christian science. He didn't believe in death, and he didn't believe in sin. I don't know what he was fighting for for the state, but it wasn't long after this. He uh, was in the hospital, and I went to see him. I said, what are you doing? He says, I think I'm sick. He said, I just believe it. I said, are you sick, or you just believe you're sick? He said, well, I don't believe in sickness. I said, well, what are you? He said, well, I, I'm having an illusion. It wasn't long before he had an illusion. He was dead. He died. They deny sickness. They deny sin. They deny death. How foolish. They buried an idea. It was dead in a hammer. You can believe whatever you want. And you can justify it in your mind. But one day, you and I are going to literally die. And we can say, well, that's all there is to it. Not according to God. You see, the next thing I want you to see here. Still others believe that everyone will be totally annihilated and are ultimately saved. Everybody's going to die and be annihilated or everybody's going to be saved. What an extreme. Everybody's going to be annihilated or everybody's going to be saved. Which one of those is true? Neither one of them is true. See, there's people who lie, lie, lie because they don't know the truth. But there's people who base their, their eternal destination upon the lies and the hopes that man has given instead of understanding the truth and how to have real joy, how to have real peace, real deliverance. Know that you have eternal life. Know that you're going to heaven. Can you know? Look at the next statement. All these opinions may sound pretty good, but they're all lies. Therefore, if hell is real, this could be your wake-up call and your opportunity to do something about it. If you're saved, then you've got an opportunity to do something. Look at the first statement I have here. Hell is a real place. The scripture we just read is as real as Athens, Georgia, or Tampa here in Florida. Or any other geographical location. The Bible says Jesus believed in hell. We just read the scripture where the Bible says hell is real. Names a particular person. Says what happened when a person dies. You see, if this is true, if there really is a hell, then it should shake me to my core. This is why for 57 years that I've known Christ as my Savior, there's one thing that I have tried to do is just tell people how to go to heaven. I'm not interested in being great. I'm interested in being famous. Interested in nothing. I just want to tell people how to go to heaven. Because I know one of these days, I'm not going to be here. But I want people to go to heaven. If this is true, I cannot find one thing more important to live for than these truths that I'm talking about right now. Jesus believed in hell. In this scripture, he says concerning heaven, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a state of mind for you. <laughs> a place for you. Uh, that's heaven. And then when he's talking about this, he says, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them that they, lest they also come to this place of torment. It's not a state of mind. It's a real literal place. And if this is true, and I believe it is. What kind of a person should I be? Look at the page two, top of the page. 
An ABC News poll showed that 70% of Americans believe in heaven, while only 56% believe in hell. Can't have one without the other. Jesus spoke about both. Hell is an absolute eternal separation from the presence of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, 7 through 8. Now listen, this is so important. If this thing is true, this gives meaning of why we want kids to learn how to tell people how to go to heaven. The other night, I don't know how many they had, they went to the fair and they had some people trust Christ as Savior. Trent, do you have any idea what they did? 50 or so. And then they had Friday night soul winning. They just did that. And then they had uh, some people trust the Lord in ranch last week. Uh, you know, little by little. And we've had people just about every day trust Christ the Savior because of you too. You take the soul winning out of it. Take soul winning out of your life. Now, what's the purpose of your life? Why do you think God left us here? Now, we have jobs that we have to do. But that's to pay our way to do what God wants us to do with our life. Everybody has to have a place to work and a place to live. You've got to have food to eat and cars to drive and insurance and all that stuff. But is that all? Isn't there a reason for all of that? Just so that you can be happy and so forth in life? That's not the purpose of it. Because life is short and you're not going to live forever. But I deal with that at the very end here and I want you to see it. Don't you dare look at the end of the paper. <laughs> look at the next statement. Hell will be filled with real people. This man was some mother's son. Possibly he left a wife and children behind. He never mentions his parents. Maybe they were already dead. But he wanted somebody to go and talk to his brothers. I got five brothers. But he never mentioned his mom and dad. I wondered why. If they were in heaven, had they shown him the way? If the parents were in hell, he would not see them, nor receive comfort from them. You know, there's nothing like somebody in your family that's hurting and you want to be able to help them. When Trina, my daughter, she called up and she was hurting and she was crying on the phone. I told Betty, I said, honey, you've got to go up there. And Betty was hurting herself. But Betty wanted to go be with her daughter because mama loves daughter more than mama loves mama. And so she went up there and spent time because that's what you do. When, the, when somebody in your family is hurting, you want to help them and do all that you possibly can to help them. This is what this whole thing's about. Do you want someone that you know and you love to spend an eternity separated from God in a literal fire burning hell? I remember Ray Stanford always made this statement. He said, I just didn't want people to go to hell. I just didn't want people to go to hell. I just didn't want people to go to hell. And that's why he did what he did. And talking to people always and putting that into our minds. Look at the next thing here in your notes. He says here, the truth of the matter is this. People we know will populate hell. Just think about this. People you know and people I know are going to populate hell. Now, I don't know all about your family. You don't know about all of the ones that I've got and so forth. But I've done everything I can to try to win my family to Christ, my relatives, whatever. I have hounded them to death. I have pursued them. I have irritated them to the place where sometimes they didn't want to see me coming because I'd always be on them and on their case. Have you trusted Christ to say, do you know where you go when you die? I even had my stepdad one time. He got up and he walked out of the room and he looked at me and pointed his finger at me. And he says, 
When I want to hear preaching, I'll go to church. And he went out of the room. My mama got up and walked out of the house. Took me five years to get my mama to understand and trust Christ as Savior. She finally sat still one time in a church long enough and heard me preach. But if you love, and if this is true, I can't think of anything else worth living for that is superior to telling people how to have eternal life. Now, one of these days, I know I'm going to be dead. And there might be some people that said, finally. <laughs> but I know I want my life to count for something. Remember last week we talked about in the book of Jude, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. And then he says, having compassion, making a difference, and pulling them out of the fire. All in one portion of scripture right there in the book of Jude. Look at the next statement. Hell was made for men. But those who reject Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will go there. Hell will be filled with real people. Will you be among them? Hell is going to have real people there. It's not a, a fantasy thing. This is real. Look at the next statement. Hell contains real punishment. It couldn't be any plainer that hell is a place of pain and torment. Many believe Luke 16 is just a picture. It's just a picture. Well, if it's just a picture, what is it a picture of? Jehovah's Witnesses like to say, well, that's just a picture. Okay, of what? Of what? Well, it's just a picture. Of what? Somebody who dies. It's talking about somebody who have to, you see, they don't even believe none of that. And I get this. Here are some real torments that hell contains. These are Word that God uses in His Word to describe what it's like. Unquenchable fire, memory and remorse, intense, unsatisfied thirst, misery and pain, eternal separation. You see, one of the greatest things that any of us have as our one desire is that we would like to see God. To be with God. The one that created the heavens and the earth. To see God and see actually what He's like. To be with Him. Christ died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world, as he says in 1 Peter in chapter 3, that he might bring us to God. He did what it is. He could bring us to God. And so the only reason we have for living in this world is to bring people to God. Getting people out of this world into the next world. And you can only do that by the light of the gospel. That's why if there is no gospel in your life, there is no power in your life. And all of the influence that you have in anybody's life, in any way, shape, or form, if there's no gospel, there can be no salvation, no salvation, no power to save a person. You want to make a difference for eternity? Then you're going to have to live here for something that mounts to something 100 years from now. Everything else in this world is going to be burned up. God says that over and over again. All of our houses and our land and our cars and all the money, whatever, it's just going to go. The only thing in this world that's going to last is going to be souls, the souls of men. Look at the next statement. This ought to make everyone want to be saved. You say, well, what if it's not true? Legitimate question. But also, what if it is? You see, what if it's not true? If that's a good question, what if it is? That would be a good question too, isn't it? 
What if it is? Now what? Well, if it is, I already took care of it. I can't go there. I can't go to hell today, and I can't go to hell in the future. And the reason is because I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ died for all of my sins. Did he die for all of yours? The only way that benefits you is that when you believe it, he puts that payment to your account. See, when Christ came back from the dead, all he wanted you to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for you. You see, he loved you so much, he doesn't want you to go there. And he loved you so much, he took all of your sins. And he loved you so much that he paid for them. And he loved you so much, he wants to give you the free gift of everlasting life. You don't earn it, you can't work for it. That's by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. Look at the next statement. Hell guarantees real permanence. In other words, the rich man, once he was there, he could not get out. When you die, if you are saved, you're saved for eternity. If you die and you're lost, you're lost for eternity. There is no second chance after death. It's not like you go to hell and you can get out after a while. It's forever. Smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever and ever. And that's why... When you and I trust Christ as our Savior, He gives us eternal life, and we have it forever and ever and ever. Look at the next statement. Hell can be avoided through a real promise. There's a promise that God made on how you and I can escape hell. If you understand how terrible it is, you can see, well, what did God do to keep me out of that place? God so loved the world, that's everybody in it, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that anybody, whosoever in the world, would believe that Christ paid for their sins. You would not perish, but have everlasting life. God offers eternal life as a gift to whosoever would believe. That's the good news. See, there can't be this good news, and we can't talk about how wonderful and loving God is. This is the only way to see that God is loving. Is to let you know how real hell is and why you need a Savior. Otherwise, you don't need one. Why would you need someone to die on the cross and pay for your sins to keep you from going to a place that doesn't exist? But if it does exist, then it ought to burn inside of you. When my father-in-law led me to Christ when I was 18 years old, Every night he'd sit there and he'd burn this stuff into my mind. And I'm so thankful and so glad that he did. He didn't live very long. But he told me about the Lord. And he told me all this stuff. And it burned into mean, And I could not get it out of my mind. And I didn't know what I was going to have to pay, what kind of a price to learn what the Word of God has to say so I could do something for the rest of my life that would amount to something. This was real to me. Look at the last statement here. The rich man is told that the word of God holds the answer. It still does. It tells us of God's love for sinners, John 3, 16. Of Christ's death to save them, Isaiah 53 and verse 1 through 12, and Romans and so on. Of Christ's resurrection that guarantee eternal life to all who believe Christ paid for their sins. It tells of a God who will save us, all who will come to him by faith alone. This last part down here, I, I want you to look at it. I want you to think about what it says. 
There's no salvation in hell. There's no Bible in hell. There's no blood in hell. What goes to hell stays in hell. The other night, Wednesday night, we had a guy who came and visited us from Las Vegas. You ever heard that phrase, whatever happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas? Maybe that's hell, I don't know. But he was from Las Vegas. He was an airplane pilot. He'd been listening to me on the uh, YouTube. And he flies for a legion. So he, he flew and he came down here and he visited us the other night. He said, I just had to come and meet you. And we went out and talked afterwards. And there's people who are all over that are understanding how to have eternal life. I got an email this morning. Somebody finally understood it on the YouTube and they trusted Christ as their Savior. Just thought they'd let me know. But what if we didn't do it? You see, there's a lot of preachers all over the world preaching all kinds of things. But not that many make the gospel clear where a lost man can understand it. And that's one of the things that we want to do here at Calvary. That if a person comes here, wouldn't it be a shame if they left and never heard how to have eternal life and how to go to heaven? Or somebody finally found us on the radio or the YouTube and they listened to us on the internet and they never heard the gospel. This is why we must continue to keep doing it all the time over and over again. Because if we don't care, who's going to? You see, God loves through us. God has compassion, but that compassion works through us. The gospel is powerful, but it is of no effect if nobody ever hears the gospel. It can't save. You and I have the greatest opportunity this side of the grave to do what we can for the Lord while we can do it. Look at the next statement I have here. What goes to hell stays in hell. Christ Jesus didn't die so you could have wealth and health and prosperity in this world. Though we may have some, but that's not the purpose. He died to keep you out of hell. He died to keep you out of hell. And we just celebrated Christmas. And then he got Resurrection Sunday coming up. And all the people all over the world are going to be talking about it. But just don't talk about hell. Let's don't tell them how to really be saved. Let's don't tell them all these religions are false because that offends people. It's like this one person decided to draw a picture that nobody could criticize. He drew a picture and put nothing in it, just plain white. Shouldn't offend anybody. And one person sitting there says, why is it white? You know, some people you cannot... Satisfied, I don't care what you do. Look up here. Please watch what I'm doing. This is not a trick. I've had people say, I want to see that wallet trick. It's not a trick. Watch my hand real close. At no time will it ever leave my wrist. The hand represents you and me. The wallet represents all of our sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Do you understand that? God loves you. Just because there's a hell doesn't mean God doesn't love you. You are loved. But he hates your sin. We have a sinful nature. We are sinners by birth, by nature, and by choice. Even when we know to do right, we still do wrong. But God loves us. Hates our sin. 
But sin means it has to be paid. Eternal separation from God and a literal fire burn in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God, no sin. God will not allow sin into heaven. That's why we can't go to heaven when we die. Unless God does something. And see, religions are trying to get you to be good enough, add some good things on it, but it never takes away the sin. I don't care how many things you add on it. You cannot earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. You see, if God allowed us to go to heaven with all this sin, we'd, we'd contaminate heaven. We'd corrupt heaven. We'd sin in heaven. We'd lie in heaven. We'd kill in heaven. Everything we do here, we'd do there. And God says, no, can't have none of that. So how are we going to get there? So Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross came back from the dead and said that when you believe that he did that for you, he puts that payment to your account. In God's eyes, he gives you a new birth. So your new birth means you were born without a sinful nature. See, I've been born twice. Once into this world, 76 years ago. And then when I was 18, I was born into God's family. This is a new one. This one has no sinful nature. If it has no sinful nature, it can't sin. If it can't sin, it can't die. This is born of God. This is my spiritual birth. This is my old flesh birth. One of these days, this one's going to go to the grave. Worms can have it. I'm through with it. But absent from the body, present with the Lord. And it's a perfect birth. Born of God. Has no sinful nature. Can't sin, can't die. That's why this one's good to go. This is why I'm going to heaven. Because, you see, I don't have any sins to pay for. This one can't sin. And this is why once you understand it, it's the best news. In other words, you realize how much peace and joy this brings to people. I got some things I'm going to share with you tonight. I mean, a letter that I've gotten from Peter Amato and Bob Gilbert and, and Jesse Martinez that sent some things. And I want you to hear these testimonies of what has happened in the lives of some of these people when they finally understood the gospel. It'll blow your mind. It's such a heartwarming thing. But if you're here this day and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope that now you can see a good reason why you should. We're not going to have you stand up or come forward. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. But in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to by your heads, and I'm going to ask you, if what I said made sense to you, would you let me know by just slipping up your hand? Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense, and I want to have prayer for you, and I really do. And if you're watching by internet, right there on the internet, right on the screen, it says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I can't tell you that you're saved. I'm telling you that God said if you trust Him, God says you're saved. Believe it because God says so. I want nobody to put their comps and trust in what the preacher says, I'm saved, I'm good to go. No, God says, if you trust Christ as your Savior, God says, you're good to go. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, friend, do it right now. There's no reason for you to go to hell. There's only one thing to do, and you can do that. Would you believe that when Christ died, he died for you and paid for your sins? And he'll give you eternal life as a free gift simply because you believe he did it for you. You can do that. You can handle that. 
So I'm going to ask you, will you trust Christ as your Savior right now? If you've already done it, you don't have to do it again. But if you've never trusted the Lord, would you trust him right now? Would you let me know by just slipping your hand up very quickly, put it right back down, anyone at all. Just slip it up very quickly, put it right back down. Yes, God bless you. I see the hand. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Just slip it up very quickly. I'm not going to embarrass you. Yes, God bless you. I saw another hand. Anyone else before we close? Remember, if you trust Christ right now as your Savior, He gives you right now eternal life, and He'll never cast you out and never lose you. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for this time together. Bless each one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust you as Savior. By doing so, they become your child, and they'll never have to worry about hell ever again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.